This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. We also host an annual conference, a five-day experience of transformation, held in August each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Cindy Dale. Cindy Dale is an internationally renowned author, speaker, intuitive healer, visionary, and business consultant. She has written several groundbreaking books on the chakras and intuition, including With Sounds True, a book on the subtle body, an encyclopedia of your energetic anatomy, and a book called Illuminating the Afterlife, Your Soul's Journey Through the Worlds Beyond. Cindy's latest book, With Sounds True, is called Energetic Boundaries, How to Stay Protected and Connected in Work, Love, and Life. In this book, she presents a definitive guide for maintaining this essential aspect of our health and personal integrity. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Cindy and I spoke about holes in our energy field and what their root causes might be. We also spoke about how to self-assess one's own energetic system, what healthy energetic boundaries might look and feel like, and finally, we spoke about how healers and other sensitive people can keep their center and the integrity of their energetic boundaries. Here's my conversation with Cindy Dale. Cindy, to begin with, I think it would be helpful if you could define what you mean by energetic boundaries. That's a great question. Another phrase that I often substitute for the phrase energetic boundaries is spiritual parameters. They're, they're the energy bands, the bands of light that surround us, that actually begin at the skin and permeate, you know, a good four to six feet, you know, of the space that's around us that kind of constitute our second self. I mean, most of us are really familiar with who we are inside of ourselves, or we're constantly trying to get familiar with that self. Um, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, identify with the fact that we're so much bigger than this body. We extend in waves and bands of light and energies, and actually even more than four to six uh, feet beyond us. Um, we extend even farther through these kind of invisible and yet to some extent measurable energetic bands of energy. Um, you know, sometimes scientists insist we go at least a football field away um, when we're very emotional, you know, or really interactive in what we're doing. So energetic boundaries are those bands of energy or light that extend way beyond our skin, but really need to be considered as a part of us in the same way as are our organs, our skin, our thoughts, and our feelings. Okay, so somebody comes to you for counseling of some kind, and they have, let's start with healthy energetic boundaries, healthy bands around them. What might that look like to you or feel like to you when you encounter such a person? Well, that's a great question. And I usually sense these types of things intuitively. I'm very visual, so I tend to get a lot of pictures in my head. But as you also implied, uh, Tammy, we can often sense people's energetic boundaries. We just get a, you know, kind of a vibe, a feeling about what's going on. So if I'm going to kind of tune in or attune to the antenna inside of my mind and get some pictures, I'm going to see beautiful reverberating bands of energy of different colors extending beyond that person. Closest to their skin, I'm going to see kind of the red tones. And just like a rainbow effect, I'm going to go a step out and see a little orange and yellow. And then I'm going to go into some of the green sort of colors and hues and the blues. You know, and then finally moving through purple, I'm going to get this 
beautiful, beautiful bands of white or some of the even higher frequencies in terms of kind of their spiritual effectiveness, maybe some gold or silver or or even some pink way out there. So if I'm going to see intuitively a set of healthy boundaries, I'm going to see a rainbow of bright, shiny, sparkly energy coming off of somebody. Um, but I'm also going to have a certain feeling in my body. I might feel really comfortable with that person. I'm personally going to feel really safe. I'm going to have a sense that they are really whole. They're contained within themselves. They know who they are. Um, they're not going to be uh, kind of penetrating or invading who I am, and yet they're going to be able to relate to me, you know, very adult, adult, very maturely. And, you know, so I think all of us get senses of what's going on with other people's energetic boundaries, and it's more that we have to learn to pay attention. We're not always going to get these pretty pictures in our head. And in fact, unless I'm sitting in my office and working with somebody, I don't want to see the pictures. I want to go to Target and do my shopping. I want to go to the mall and just get the shoes and head out. I don't want to see what's going on with everybody. But I'm always, always able to kind of sense if who I'm working with is in a whole sort of a place or if they're kind of tugging at me or pushing me away or maybe knocking on the door kind of unconsciously asking for me to perform some service for them. And I think all of us get those senses sometimes about people. Um, and we feel comfortable, frankly, and kind of serene, maybe maybe really engaged with the people who have really healthy energetic boundaries. Okay, and then by contrast, of course, this is where I'm going. Somebody comes in and their energetic boundaries aren't healthy. And I'd be curious what the main patterns are that you see when people have unhealthy boundaries, what it looks like and feels like to you. Well, intuitively in terms of the visual on it, I'm I'm mainly going to see holes in this field. I'm going to see, you know, huge kind of gaping wounds or holes. I'm going to see energy sliding in through those boundaries that goes all the way into the person's body and psyche that's not supposed to be coming in. Uh, and that kind of energy is going to be a little mottled, dark, kind of ugly. It's going to make me feel really uncomfortable, maybe even sick to my stomach, because they're, they're bringing in energy that's not good for them. And in, in terms of just the, the coloration of the entire field, it's going to be either kind of too faint or, as I already kind of insinuated, kind of brown, dark, shadowy, cloudy, you know, kind of like Pigpen in the Charles Schultz's, um, you know, kind of Charlie Brown strips. They're going to look a little bit like Pigpen. But they might also, conversely, have a lot of really beautiful, vibrant energy leaking out. So we all function on life energy. Sometimes it's called qi in the traditional Chinese uh, medicine system. You know, these, these beautiful colors of passionate, intense energy that enables our body to function and enables us to think and process our emotions. Um, but, you know, for many people, when they have these holes or distortions in their field, that good energy, it's leaking straight out. It might kind of go into the world at large, you know, or sometimes what happens is that there's very specific people that somebody with these bad energy fields, if you would, you know, are giving away um, their energy to or having it stolen from them. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out if it's really kind of our stuff that's causing these distortions or if we're being invaded by or manipulated by somebody else. But those are in general, Tammy, some of the way I'm going to feel and perceive uh, kind of distorted and, and certainly unhealthy, insufficient energetic boundaries. Well, let's talk a little bit about these holes. I mean, you implied that sometimes when we have a hole, it's because there's some unhealthy connection with someone else. How does that work? 
Well, unfortunately, most of those unhealthy connections start when we're really young, or the patterns of them start when we're, um, you know, some scientists actually believe when we're in the womb. So from the earliest age on, we're very open, we're very vulnerable, we want to connect, we want to bond, we, 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 we want to link with people. I mean, I think we come into this world, you know, certainly we bring in a little stuff if you believe in past lives, which I do, um, but we kind of want to please and, and we want to receive love from other people. Um, but oftentimes it's our parents or our family members, and then when we get a little older, you know, the kids we meet in school or the systems that we become a part of that set up rules about how we're going to interact. And these rules, which are often unconsciously uh, portrayed or conveyed to us, um, restrict us or tell us that perhaps maybe we're only going to be loved if we give mom all our life energy, or mom's only going to feed us if we share with her um, the energy that she needs in order to achieve her goals. Or maybe dad has always wanted um, a son, and I'm the daughter. And so dad kind of creates this unconscious bargain with me, this pact that says, okay, okay, you can only act this way. You've got to be just like my son. You can't really be who you are, you know, in order for me to love you. Well, every time we adopt or adapt to one of those contracts or rules, we're opening ourselves in such a way that that other person's energy can come into us, potentially anyway, and our own energy might then leak out or literally be taken from us, you know, and and located in that other person. So most holes begin with these kind of unconscious bargains that we go into because we want to survive, we want to please, we want to get our needs met. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, many of us, John Bratch has a great author who writes on family systems, he suggests 97% of all our family systems are dysfunctional and many of them really severely with alcoholism, sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect, and any time we're physically violated or any time we're around someone who's physically violated, say mom slaps dad or dad slaps mom or any of them hurt us or injure us physically or are you know, constantly using a stream or a battery of mean words, verbal abuse, any time we're in an environment with that kind of violence, even if it's not always physical, that energy of violence, it just plummets straight through. It drives straight through our energetic boundaries, you know, and capsizes them or creates holes in them. So we don't even have to necessarily have been physically violated, but if we're around violence, dark scenes, um, situations that are really traumatic or dramatic, our boundaries start to collapse. Um, you know, I remember when I was in my mother's womb, and and I don't know how old I was. I don't think I kept track. I don't think I was in linear time at that point. But I could see the words, the angry words that my parents were exchanging coming in through my mom's stomach, through through her, her uterus. And those sound waves, I can still remember when I repeat the story, what they looked like, kind of curly cue, really dark energy. They penetrated straight through my mom, straight through the energy boundaries I had, just as a small embryo or fetus, you know, and right into my body. So those kind of sounds, you know, angry tones, belligerence, cruelty, meanness, the shaming messages that sometimes people might even think about us really constantly or maybe even tell themselves internally can come straight through our boundaries and enter us. Usually a situation needs to be quite dramatic or repetitive because, you know, it's just kind of like our skin, Tammy. You know, if, if I was to cut my skin, you know, I would bleed, I'd be wounded, but in a few days or weeks, depending on how serious the infraction is, the skin's going to repair itself. 
But, you know, guess what? Let's say my dad yells at me over and over and says kind of the same nasty message. You know, pretty soon my boundaries just aren't going to repair. They're just going to say, what's the use? I mean, here we are. We're always going to let those kind of negative messages in. Or not that we want to attract similar situations, but our boundaries, because they're trained to let in certain types of abuse or negligence or, you know, kind of interactions, they're just going to remain open to those kind of situations. It's not our fault. It kind of just is what it is. So by the time we're, you know, older, think about how many experiences we've gone through that are wonderful and beautiful, but also how many maybe don't suit us or even are very harmful and damaging. Those affect our energetic boundaries and let energy slip in and out that isn't um, often good for us. Now, Cindy, this is a little bit of an aside, but when you say you remember these experiences from when you were in the womb, is that through like a regression or I mean, is it possible to remember things from that time in our life? You know, I think it is. Um, I remember it from just remembering. I know that's kind of a goofy way to say it, but I um, was kind of the shaman in the family, you know, the one who saw things, felt things, and not all these things were provable or visible. So I, when I was young, was able to perceive spirits, angels, the bad guys. Um, I could see colors in and around my parents. I could get really strong senses that were highly accurate about what kind of moods they were in and then what consequences there were to those moods. You know, maybe dad was going to drink or mom was going to get really nasty or whatever it is. But for some reason, I'm not sure if it was just that role I played in the family or just the way the cards were handed to me. I mean, I... I remember a lot of my birth. I remember and recalled even before I got to be an adult and did regressions, you know, some of those, you know, very odd, if you were, um, but to me, very concrete sort of intuitive experiences. Um, I remember seeing uh, one time a ghost walk right in the house and I thought he was cooking. And I later said to my mom, you know, why did you let him walk in the house? And she said, who, what are you talking about? So I had a little bit more than a vivid imagination. I also had kind of a fairly vivid set of intuitive faculties um, from the time that I was really, really little. And, you know, Tammy, what I think is interesting, because I work with clients on a day-to-day basis, many of my clients come in and tell me similar, you know, different but similar types of stories. You know, like the one time they saw a weird energy behind their mom or talking through dad or whatever it might be. And I think, and this is a bit of an aside, though, in my book, Energetic Boundaries, I do have a whole chapter on kids and, you know, kids' boundaries and the different kind of kids' souls that are around right now and even adult kind of souls and family groups. Lots and lots of young people right now are are being born with um, some of these faculties really open and intact, and they can see the boundaries. I think it's at least three or four times a week I have a mom call me with the story of one of her kids or a kid come in who talks about seeing these colors around people. Um, So, you know, we're, we're getting more open in a, and it's a very positive thing, I think, to allowing kids um, to kind of share a little bit more of what they see that, that some of us adults who went through the school system, you know, a few decades ago were told, you know, you're not supposed to talk about that stuff. Speaking of children, I know you have children of your own. I have two kids and a foster daughter. I'm not sure I should call my 23-year-old son a kid anymore, though he's still a little bit on the subsidy program, so (laughs) we're still working toward that one, but he's a great young man. And then I have a 12-year-old and a a young woman who lived with me for a couple years as well when she was in high school. So I'm surrounded by children, young people, adults children and children. I'm not a parent, but I am an aunt. And from my limited experience being around kids, the issue of drawing healthy boundaries seems like a really big challenge for parents. And I'm curious what you've learned from your work with energetic boundaries that applies to parenting. Well, first of all, that kids actually need to be taught 
how to hold their energetic boundaries. I, I think we're at a point where life is so crazy, there's no margins on time and work and the demands on all of us. The same thing's happening with kids, and they're literally just being pulled right now in so many directions. I personally, and I feel really strongly about this, think it's critical that they know they have energetic boundaries and they're being equipped with tools in order to, you know, to hold their own and to be able to differentiate between what's perhaps their feeling, illness, situation, um, uh, you know, desire, uh, thought, or whatever it is, and what somebody else's. Um, a case in point, I'll give you a really clear demonstration of this with my youngest, who two, three years ago, something like that, I'm a long-time fan of therapy, meaning going to therapy. And I work with a woman who is a Sufi master, quite lovely. And I was sitting in with her and actually working on my boundaries, working on what's called the red one, the physical one, that's really, really about what's happening inside of our body, our our everyday life, our homes, our, our pocket books, you know, our primary relationships, and et cetera. And there was a big hole in the bottom, kind of near my hip area of my physical boundary. Well, you know, I took out kind of the energy that was stuck in there that wasn't any good for me, you know, kind of worked on my belief system and let go of the energy that had been stuck in there. When I got home, I had a call from the school nurse who told me that exactly that time, my then maybe eight, nine-year-old, sitting in his desk at school, threw out his back in the very same area. There's no way a kid sitting in a desk is going to throw out his back. He had literally taken on my energy because we're so connected, and and it disturbed his own energetic field, but because it was a physical energy field, it disrupted his body. So I traced him, you know, I kind of took him off to his therapist, who's kind of open to this stuff, who sent him then to my therapist to start to teach him that he doesn't need to take on everything that's out there, that he can breathe deeply, you know, if he feels something funny's going on, that he can picture different kind of colors around him if he starts to feel a feeling that he doesn't think is his own, you know, or want to do something like with his other friends that he doesn't think he should be doing and he's kind of being led, you know, kind of the follower syndrome. And so he's got, you know, a handful of tools that he can use now on his own. And he doesn't have to tell other kids he's doing this. He doesn't have to say he's doing weird things. Um, But, you know, even just through breathing and visualizing colors and recognizing when something's his or not, you know, he's much more able now, you know, kind of to be Gabe rather than to take on somebody else or be somebody else. And, you know, he used to have a lot of ADHD symptoms, lots and lots and lots of them. And the more that I very gently and and in a really normalizing way kind of helped him, you know, maintain his boundaries or picture himself as Superman with a cape, you know, so nothing can get in and harm him or whatever it might be, he has probably... 10% of those symptoms still remaining. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that all ADHD or autism or these different kind of conditions have to do with energetic boundaries, but in my experience, we can help with just about any kind of kid concern if we help them, you know, with their boundaries and to know they get to be who they are. They don't have to be who mom wants them to be or what they're, you know, what what people are feeling around them as well. Okay, so whether it's a child who's trying to answer this question or we ourselves are trying to answer this question, the question being, is this mine? Is this my experience, my emotions? Or does this belong to somebody else? How do we answer that? How do we help our kids answer (laughs) that? That's a great question. That's what the whole book is about, really. That's, I would even say my entire profession as an intuitive consultant, energy medicine person, is about figuring out what's mine versus what somebody else's and helping, um, you know, helping people figure that out for themselves. Now, you know, my quick and easy way to get there is I cheat, Um I don't care Thank you. Religion. Good. That's great. I'm, I'm very okay. interested in We're cheating. We're going straight for the, the heart okay. on this one. Good. Because, you know, we've all gone through so many experiences, Tammy, that aren't really easy. We, we aren't always going to know the answer. So whatever religion somebody is, 
I always say, you know what, just go to the divine. Just go inside to go to the divine and say, God, is this mine or not? Allah, is this mine or not? You know, great mother, is this mine or not? Because the more we're filled with that higher spirit or the more willing we are, you know, to be filled with that which is greater, you know, that which is what the source, I don't care what words people use, um, you know, that's essentially how we're going to know what's ours or not. That's where we're going to get our answers. That's how we're going to get our answers. And that's also how we're going to get opened up to what we're supposed to do if we're full of stuff that's not ours as well. So as I said, my therapist is a Sufi. I think I spend half my time in there chanting Allah. And um, I wasn't raised, you know, in the Sufi tradition or the um, Islamic tradition. But it doesn't matter what word we use as long as our heart is in that place that says, let there be only the divine and within that, I will be safe. I will know who I am. I will know what it is I'm to do. Someone asks inside, is this mine or does it belong to someone else? Divine, help me know this. How can they trust the answer? Yes, no, maybe. Yes and no. Yes, no, maybe. I mean, they may or may not get a clear reception. Well, it's true. You know what? We can we can tr- we can do some trial and error as well. Um, you know, when I don't know, if I get a sense of, okay, I'm sad, is this mine or not, and I really can't figure out, I just go through the list, kind of like a stoplight. You know, there's three answers. There's red, which is no, there's green, which is yes, and there's yellow, which is much more difficult to deal with, which is it's a little bit of mine and somebody else's. I just go through the list. I'm actually very logical about it. I'll go, okay, let me just imagine that this is not mine, all right? This is not my energy. And so, you know, I, I, I just go into that place and see if that feels right. You know, I may go into the place of saying this is all mine and see if it feels right in my body. Or I might say, hey, you know, is this a mix? And that might be kind of what seems to be the answer. Or I visualize the stoplight and I'll say, all right, I just want to see in my mind's eye what this is. Is this red? Is this yellow? Is this green? And I tend to get an answer that way. I'll just see the picture that shows me what's really going on. Um, the other thing that I do, and I do this with clients all the time, when clients are with me, because I, I think at least 80% of the issues that affect us or the energies that we think are ours usually aren't. So I almost always kind of use as a fail-safe when working with a client the idea that some a lot of what we're dealing with didn't start with this person, so we need to kind of gently and lovingly release it, not so it's going to harm, you know, who it originated with, but so that it's not going to harm, for instance, my client anymore. So I just say, you know, divine, just take whatever isn't that person's and we'll deal with what's left. So I can do the same thing with myself. I can say, you know what, divine, Cindy spirit, higher self, whatever, just take what's not mine and I'll deal with what's left. So let's say someone's listening and they want to do a self-energy assessment of their energetic Mm -hmm. boundaries. They want to know, are there holes? Where might they be? What might the issues be? How could you advise them on that process? Well, I think sometimes it's difficult to do self-assessments like in a meditative state alone, you know, or kind of in our heads because we tend to drift. So the easiest way to do it is to um, take out a piece of paper, draw a body, even if it's just a stick figure, and draw four bands of energy around that figure. The first one closest to the body is red or physical. And that's exactly what's in there, are our physical you know, kind of concerns. The next line is going to be the, the emotional energies. You could see those as kind of orangish if you want to. The next line is going to be the relational. And then we're going to be dealing on the outside realm with spiritual issues. And you can see that as white. Relational is kind of green. And so what I like to do is have those bands, those circles of energy surrounding the entirety of the the physical body, and now go into a meditative state, get grounded, get centered, breathe deeply, you know, and just start on the inside to the out and see what kind of comes through you. Just, just kind of play with it like you're a kid and you're coloring. You know, you can even just use a pencil and, and show yourself where there's gaps, where there's energy that's leaking out, where there's energy that's coming in, and do the same with each of those four boundaries. 
What tends to work the best is if you can label, you know, where'd that hole come from? You know, is that a puncture wound from childhood, from mom, from dad, from a teacher? Is that puncture wound from how I think about things? Or is it a spiritual puncture wound? You know, are there spirits or energies or kind of bad things around me? And so try to label as much as possible those different kind of squiggles or holes and distortions that you put on the paper and then work from there. Um, if you have, if you're challenged doing it from, say, your right-handed, your right hand, kind of borrow from that book, you know, drawing on the, you know, where where you're taught how to draw with your opposite hand. Um, so for me, I'm right-handed. If I'm really stuck, I may want to do this with my left hand because that taps into my kind of more unconscious self, the self that's there watching all of this and figuring this out, but not often able to speak kind of to my head because my head gets so busy. So that's the exercise I would use, and it's usually really accurate when people do this for themselves. Now, I want to circle back to something. A couple of times you've mentioned this idea of bad guys, negative swirls of energy. We might find that when we're going through these four dimensions of our energetic boundaries, and you mentioned as a child that you had a sense potentially of these bad guys. So what are these black... (laughs) Who are the bad guys? guys? Who are they? (laughs) I just like using the term bad guys. I think it's kind of like television-like or something. You know, there are invisible entities. Almost everybody, and I've seen some of the American polls, you know, believe that there's angels um, and also believe that there's demons. You know, in other communities, these are called jinns or dark spirits or dark forces. Um, Sometimes they're called ancestral hauntings, you know, or ghosts. Um, that never left this plane, you know, the people who are in our ancestral lineage, you know, who just plain never left. Um, And, you know, some of these invisibles or ghosts or spirits or phantoms or whatever word we want to use, you know, are, are quite beneficial, like the angels, or we all have spiritual guides. We have sometimes ancestors who look after us, and some of them aren't. You know, some of them just maybe don't want to face the music or they had a really tough life and they're still lingering and they just don't want to go to the other side. So where are they going to get their energy but maybe to scare others of us or literally penetrate our energetic boundaries and steal life energy from the living so that they can stay around. Um, So there's a whole plethora or host of entities, um, ghosts, spirits that aren't out there for our well-being for one reason or another they're trying to steal our energy or stick their energy in us maybe the feelings they had you know their bad feelings their guilt and shame that they had when they were alive that they don't want to deal with you know to stick that into the living and you know again i as i said i do a lot of client work i probably work with the bad guys or the dark forces at, I don't know, out of seven clients a day, probably five times. And most of my wow, clients... Wow, I wasn't expecting re- that. That's a lot. It's really real. And you know what's really more awesome than that? My clients are really normal people for the most part. <laughs> they're accountants, they're homemakers, they might be CEOs. Um, you know, people come in because they're not happy in their jobs. and um, But to the one... If I bring up a dark force or once they get into my room, they're willing, they just start talking about this curse that they're carrying or a voice that they constantly hear. Um, For instance, a, a few months ago, I got a call from a plumber in New Jersey. And his daughter set him up for this session, so he didn't really want to do it. It was like, oh, this is going to be strange. This is going to be weird. And he was interested in looking at some money issues. And I immediately saw this whole storyline that, of course, I didn't want to say because I thought, oh, he's really going to think we're flipped out now. Um, But it involved this whole story that seemed to be from a past life when he was a knight and he was killed and the person who killed him was still hanging around and constantly talking at him. And I could describe the gentleman, not really much of a gentleman, from the past life exactly what he looked like. Well, my client, the plumber, interrupted me after a few minutes and started crying. And he said, I can't believe you're talking about this. I've had this dream 
exactly like you've been saying ever since I was a little boy. And I hear that voice all the time. And that's the picture that I see to to describe the entity that's always plaguing me. And it connected in. It was literally connected through his energy field, his energetic boundaries, you know, all the way into his neck and kept whispering at him. And, of course, who's he going to tell that to? You know, you're not going to go to a therapist because you're going to be told you're schizophrenic, right? You're not going to tell your doctor because you'll be put on pills or told you're schizophrenic. He didn't tell his family because he thought, you know, you just kind of tough this thing out. He didn't tell his family growing up or when he was older. And, you know, so that's just kind of one story out of thousands and thousands. You know, I could tell where people confirm, yeah, you know, there's something that's on me or there's something that penetrates, you know, into me that that hurts me, that injures me, that that is making me ill. Um, I had one client with cancer, multiple types of cancer, and it had spread around her body. And, you know, not everything's going to heal in terms of physically. So I always want to say that, that, you know, the caveat is, you know, miracles show up in many forms, not always in a physical healing. And um, we tracked it back to um, the womb time that I said, you know, it seems to me that maybe your mom, there was a twin when your when your mom was pregnant with you. And I think that it's literally still kind of like half in and half out of your body. And it has very negative thoughts about you. And she too looked at me and said that her mom had been convinced that she had miscarried one of the two children when she was pregnant and that she had always felt this presence in the right side of her body, kind of this gray, blobby presence that she could never get rid of, and that it was sticking all this kind of dark energy in her because it was mad and jealous that she, my client, um, survived and that she didn't. Well, we did some work, which is not that hard to do. You just basically ask for grace, you know, and for, you know, a higher power or your own, you know, higher self to set things right, um, to release that little twin, which was pretty powerful in its um, lack of integrity, but also intensity, you know, kind of to the to the other side. And my, my, my client's um, cancer tumor started shrinking absolutely right away. So for her, it was all about an energetic boundary interference. And, I, you know, I wouldn't even say that that twin was a bad guy, just very misconstrued and upset and angry, um, like we get, like we living people get when we don't get what we want. You know, we're not always nice about it. So neither are those beings that kind of float around either. What is it in our energetic system that makes us hospitable to these freeloading energies, if you will. All right, that's that's. There's one word I can answer that with, and it's uh, worthiness, meaning a lack of worthiness. Hmm. Absolutely, and I could give you lots more than that, um, you know, as well. But in the end, there's usually a place inside of ourselves. Maybe it developed a long time ago in a past life, in our family. It's certainly probably furthered by our life experiences, no matter what its inception is, where we really just don't feel worthy of um, being loved, of being ourselves, of being great, of being whole, of being uh, not lonely, but of being whole within ourselves, of being complete. So, Typically what sets us up, I believe, at the deepest level, not to shame ourselves for this because we all share this kind of common issue, you know, is that at some level we just don't think we're really worthy to be who we really are. Um, Now, atop of that kind of idea, there are thousands of other experiences that can set us up for certain types of boundary violations. If we're sexually abused, you know, we're going to have major boundaries violated physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. We're not going to have a lot that's really working well for us. Some things will, a lot of things won't. You know, so we're going to be set up to be violated by other people, you know, because that's what our boundaries, you know, are shaped like. They're malformed. And underneath, here we get the worthiness thing. At some level, we're going to think that's all we're worth, whether that be to be open to being taken, being taken advantage of sexually or financially or emotionally. 
you know, or some people kind of go the other direction, and so they don't have to feel that lack of worthiness or the hurt and the pain of what they went through. They just kind of do unto others what was done unto them. There's, there's not a, it's, it's not better, you know, those of us who kind of very subconsciously, you know, kind of feel unworthy and invite being mistreated versus those of us who feel unworthy and mistreat others just to try to get that energy back out of us again. It's two sides of the same coin. And, you know, if we're really honest, like if I'm really honest with myself, I have both sides, just sometimes in different arenas and places in my life. But I, but I really think underneath, we went through something. This life, earlier, I usually track things way, way back in time for people and see that past lives and this life are really kind of reiterations of the same wound that made us feel separate from goodness and unworthy. You know, and we we need to really be willing to go into that dark feeling, you know, and ask for the truth, ask to feel and to know that we're worthy. But some of us, you know, that's even scarier than holding on to the unworthiness feelings itself. Now, asking to know that we're worthy. That we're worthy. Is that the remedy? I think that probably very many listeners are relating with what you're saying right now. And That's the remedy. Yeah. That, that is the remedy. And it's it's really, you know... I I can say that I have experienced real challenges sometimes, you know, letting myself feel worthy. You'd think that be, that that we once we taste it or we yearn for it, it'd be really easy to open from the inside to the out or the outside to the in, you know, to unconditional love and that and that sustenance of worthiness, but sometimes our shame is so deep. You know, sometimes for me, my sense of, you know, guilt or shame or my conviction that I'm bad is so deep that I can really struggle, you know, to letting that remedy um, in, to really drinking, you know, that healing potion. And I'm going to give you another cheat sheet because this works for me and for my clients every time where I don't feel willing, where I'm maybe really honest and I'm saying maybe I'd rather keep this negative um, boundary violation pattern going. Or maybe I still want to kind of feel like I don't deserve to be treated really well. Or maybe I want to hold on to this contract that I have with my mom, um, you know, because I don't want to really feel my childhood pain that she would rather hurt me, right, than take care of me. So there's lots of reasons that we may not want to sink, you know, into the worthiness that really is innate to us. I just say I'm willing even where I'm unwilling. Even where I'm unwilling, I'm willing to let the willingness come in. I'm willing to let the divine, the all, you know, kind of treat me and show me that I'm worthy, even where I don't recognize it or know it yet. So it's kind of like getting the pill, you know, even if you're not sure you want to take the pill. And then it starts working right away as well. I love the cheat sheets. Thank you. I know. Aren't they great? They're great. Yeah. Life's complicated. We got we to gotta find ways around it. One thing I've noticed in this conversation that I'm wanting you to say a bit more about is you seem very pro-therapy, and I haven't spoken to that many intuitive counselors who seem to endorse the therapy process the way that you do. I'm curious for you to say a few words about that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I sometimes find that as well. Um, that sometimes people who work in, you know, or really accelerate into the intuitive field maybe have some question marks about therapy because it can seem really slow, um, kind of dull, really pedantic. Um, I'm very pro-therapy, but it's usually the kind that I recommend, you know, is what's typically termed family systems, where you're looking for the patterns and the roots of the pattern, and you're seeking to heal from the inside to the out. So you're trying to reframe what occurred, you know, so you can get through it, not avoid it, but get through it. And this may be a bit of a challenging statement, but sometimes I find that the people who don't want to do some some of that early childhood work, if it's sitting there, can go into and toward some of the intuitive or energy medicine techniques almost as a way to spiritually bypass. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a little bit like, um, you know, kind of 
bluntly, going into a religion that's very fanatic because then you don't have to feel your feelings or do the dirty work, the hard work that might lie inside. And so I think we've got to watch it that we don't use a spiritual mechanism to bypass the emotional work, you know, or the mental work, you know, or the reframing work that we're called to do. Now, at the same time, on the other side of the barbell, I find people who go to therapy endlessly, you know, nothing but 12-step programs, um, which I'm a fan of, you know, lots and lots of therapy, but they never open the box to go into the intuitive, you know, or their spiritual gifts, you know, or open into the real spiritual arenas. So I think these two have to come together um, so that we marry them. It doesn't mean we have to spend decades and decades in therapy, but I do think that there's some real critical um, pieces to understand that have been taught by greats like Ernie Larson or John Bradshaw or even Melody Beatty to some extent about codependency, you know, that give us like an understanding of how we're affected by our childhood, you know, so that we don't, uh, bypass it, but we go through it because the learning is going through something, you know, not jumping over it. Now, very well said. I'm ready to clap right now. So clapping for a <laughs> moment. <you. laughs> the group of people that I find the most interested in energetic boundaries, at least among the people that I know, are healers. They work with other people, and at the end of the day, oh, my God, you know, this person, I still feel slimed by them. Or, you know, at the end of, you know, working with all these different clients, this person's despair is still with me. And so what are your specific recommendations for people who are in the healing professions? Well, it's a huge issue. In fact, right before uh, we started talking, Tammy, I was on the phone with a young man who wants to go into energy medicine. He's a nurse, and he was asking those very questions. He said, how, am I, how, how can I function? I, I go into the hospital, and I see the dead people, you know, or I feel everybody's agony, or when I give somebody a shot, you know, I can sense it as if it's going into my skin. And that's an allopathy, but of course he experiences it as a, a burgeoning hands-on healer when he's working on his clients as well. So it's all about boundaries. Um, I use a technique that's really simple that I use with every client I use in my everyday life. It's the, it's the one technique that I constantly use, and it provides the kind of energetic protection or boundaries that are necessary, not just to be a healer, but, you know, healers are healers because they can sense people's issues. I mean, we go into that field because we're intuitive. We go into that field because we have, you know, kind of loose boundaries. We go into that field because we're able to sense others' emotions, their needs, their maladies, you know, as their guides and what they need. So we need to have the same boundaries, you know, in a session as we do outside of a session. In a nutshell, the process I use is I just call it spirit to spirit. I affirm I'm a spiritual being. I affirm that the client is a spiritual being. And then I call in a greater spirit to set up the boundaries and to actually do the work, provide me the insight, share the healing energies, and to do whatever needs to be done. Every time I teach that technique, healers go, oh, my stars, once they experience it. You know, it's like, it's like getting zipped up in, in a light. You know, the other person's stuff, you can register it but you don't take it in or on anymore. So there's some kind of magic that happens with that technique. The other thing that's really critical, say I'm going to work with somebody, is if um, oftentimes I, I sit separate. So I use very physical techniques too. My office, um, which I'm actually sitting in, is full of rocks and stones, um, that which I've collected from around the world, really organic materials, colors that are really grounding, um, you know, because I really attune to my environment. So I set my work environment up in such a way that I can be separate from the client, but constantly fed by the energies represented in my room. So all the different elements are are you know, kind of represented inside of my office. Um, and I actually have a table between myself and my client. Even if I'm going to do hands-on healing work, I start the session sitting opposing them so that I can be separate enough and objective enough that I don't get tangled up in their energy. I can do this spirit-spirit technique, and I don't get you know, tangled up in my own agenda either. You know, so that I can really maintain a separateness because then I'm more objective, but I'm also better at being intuitive as well. 
Um, and when I'm teaching a class, which a lot of healers do, or they work with small groups, I use a simple technique, you know, that I just use kind of domes of light. I call them beams of grace or healing streams of grace. Uh, and I see them. I call them. I feel them. And I set them up around the entirety of the class. But you could do this in a session with a client, too, kind of this kind of a wall, like a beautiful dome of these healing streams of grace or light. And then I ask that each person be surrounded in his or her own, you know, kind of bubble of grace, as well as me. So that all of us are able to be inside of ourselves. We're not exchanging energies we're not supposed to, i.e., if I'm teaching, that class is then able to be unified, um, but we don't get any of the disruptions, you know, either from, you know, kind of interference, the, the bad guys, you know, if you would, you know, or even from, you know, people's stuff that might get triggered in the class. And so, you know, it keeps everybody balanced and whole and, you know, kind of working together, going toward the, the same direction rather than different directions. So those are a few of the really simple techniques that I, that I use. Um, you know, there's one more that healers really like. And most of us have been taught, you know, kind of through especially the new age or the new thought movement, that we need to ground, which is to kind of picture yourself like a tree and send this shaft of energy or light down into the earth. Well, there's a lot of other elements besides the earth element. For instance, if I ground into just the earth element, I start soaking in other people's energy. I immediately feel heavy, burdened, emotional, everybody's pain, everybody's problem. That literal element does not work for me. I literally image myself sending this shaft of my own energy into air. I mean, underneath my feet, but I ground into air because that way I feel buoyed. I feel like I can get information for myself or for my client, you know, but I don't start absorbing that way. So, you know, people can ground into wood, air, earth, fire, water, ether, metal, um, star energy, there's a lot of other properties that we can kind of connect with that keep us inside of our own field as healers when we're working with someone rather than, you know, kind of maybe setting ourselves up without even knowing it. I'm curious, Cindy, if in your own life and practice you ever had an ongoing challenging boundary issue where you felt, let's say, something in your field that was just really hard for you to get to be outside of your field, even though you knew it wasn't yours, and how you resolved it or how it played oh, out over time. yeah, I have had that in several areas of life. Um, you know, professionally, when I first kind of opened up to all of this, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago or something like that, I was taking a psychic development class, and I was pretty good at all the processes that she was teaching. And um, the teacher then decided she was going to teach us mediumship, which is channeling disembodied entities in a nutshell, all right? And I was like, I don't know, this feels a little spooky to me. I'm not too sure I want to do this. Um, and she didn't give directions. I'm a stickler for steps and rules and boundaries and, you know, kind of ending something that's not working, you know, kind of if we feel funny about it. But that was not kind of present in that class. So I'm sitting there, and she says, just open to whoever wants to literally come into you and talk to you. I mean, you can kind of feel chilled even hearing that. And this 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 entity started coming into my neck, and it was physical. I mean, it was so real. It was like that movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg, you know, like somebody mm -hmm. jumping right in. I felt itchy, crawly, scratchy. My heart started racing. There was this strange kind of warm, cold flush that, that kept penetrating in my body. I didn't know what to do, and she hadn't taught us what to do. Um, so, but fortunately, I'm fairly feisty, so I said, get out. And I felt it leave, but then that entity kept hovering around my right shoulder for months, um, and I didn't know where to go. 
I didn't know who to talk to. I mean, I told the teacher. She didn't seem too concerned. There wasn't any real teaching back then, you know, about boundaries. It was kind of this open-ended, new age, just kind of go happy and channel (laughs) kind of thing. And, you know, it never talked to me, but I could feel it. And I actually had like a cold shoulder most of the time. And, And it just, I just knew there was something dark that was always, you know, affecting me and I was feeling depressed and, you know, all of that. Um, I finally, I didn't know what to do. So I sat down one day and I just started thumbing through the Bible, which regardless of what religion you are, is a really cool document for looking at psychic solutions, to be honest, Um, because it's full of stuff nobody teaches you about in Sunday school. And I opened to this passage where one of the judges, his name was Gideon, had tested the spirits and then, you know, kind of said, if it basically, if it's, you know, not of the light, go away. You know, if this isn't of God, you've got to go away. So as I was reading that passage, as well as others, I thought, you know, nothing has permission to be around me. I mean, somewhere I'm thinking it can stay or it wouldn't be staying. And so just me recognizing that, boom, the thing just slipped off and I haven't ever been affected by an entity like that again. Um, In my personal life, what I struggle with the most, frankly, as does my son Gabriel, because we're both pretty emotional people, um, we have very viable, spongy emotional boundaries, is when I'm really close to somebody, I can feel their feelings. I also, I have a really kind of, kind of, kind of spongy sort of physical boundary. When I'm really close to somebody, I can feel their physical issues and pains as well. And so I constantly in relationship, I I use it as a learning tool, to be honest. So for instance, the man I've dated almost four years, you know, if I start to feel like I'm getting too emotional, like there's this feeling that's a little big for what is going on or it doesn't it just doesn't click or why am I so sad or why am I so scared because a minute ago I wasn't so sad or I wasn't so scared, I immediately know I'm feeling his feelings. And frankly, a lot of we women do that. We're kind of trained to do that. And so I know that I have that pattern. I haven't completely fixed it, but because I know that I have that pattern, I'm able to say, okay, whatever's not mine, you know, gets to be released. I'll deal with what's mine. I instantly calm down. I'm instantly calm. And, um, you know, I don't need to then pick a fight for him to feel his feelings. That was my old behavior. You know, what happens? He suddenly starts to feel and share his feelings. So, you know, it's just as much my issue that I take this stuff on or I let it in as his that he doesn't want to feel, you know, certain feelings that are uncomfortable for him. The physical stuff is still constant, too. I think it's often that way between parents and children, in particular between mothers and children. I was just driving in the car last night, and my son Gabe, we've just finished baseball, and now we're doing football. Okay, rah, rah. It's every night for two hours. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, not my favorite sport, but whatever. And I picked him up, and we're in the car, and he goes, Mom, I don't feel very good. Instantly, I felt queasy, I felt nauseous, I felt dizzy, you know, well, there I am, here's mom, you know, the the eternal caretaker. I said, oh, but because, you know, I knew what he was feeling, because I was feeling it, I knew what to do. I said, oh, you need to have some vitamin water. You know, you're a little dehydrated, it's your electrolytes. I mean, I kind of diagnosed it through my body, um, because I felt it through my body. So, you know, you know, some of these things, we don't, I haven't experienced getting to perfection on them, but my, my, my strongest tendencies, I'm better able to cope, I'm better able to stop, you know, kind of doing my part of it, and if I do slide into, you know, kind of my old absorbing tendencies, you know, I'm able to work it for the good the, these days, you know, not have it debilitate me to, to the extent that it used to when I was younger and I had no idea what was going on. Um, I would just feel everybody's everything. So I'm a lot better than that, I'll tell you that. You know, Cindy, once again, there are so many things I could still talk to you about. You really are a wealth of information. But I'm going to shut our conversation down and ask a request, which is I wonder if you would give our listeners a blessing. Oh, I would love to. A blessing that 
maybe relates to this idea of our worthiness and the potential strength that we can have in our energetic field. Absolutely. And I encourage listeners right now, just if they can, not if you're in a car, but if you can, to shut your eyes and just take a couple deep breaths. And hear these words through your heart. You are worthy. You have always been worthy. You always will be worthy of love, of grace, of health, and of the richness of life. That which is not yours can now be released to the higher good so that who you really are, the lovable, worthy self you've always been, now shines forth. Let it be so. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tammy. I've been speaking with Cindy Dale. She's the author of a new book from Sounds True, a very comprehensive, practical guidebook on energetic boundaries, how to stay protected and connected in work, love, and life. Cindy is also the author of the Sounds True book, The Subtle Body, an encyclopedia of your energetic anatomy, and a book on illuminating the afterlife, your soul's journey through the worlds beyond. She's also recorded with Sounds True a six-session audio learning course on advanced chakra wisdom, as well as a program on energy clearing, healing energetic wounds, and releasing negative influences. Cindy, it's always great to talk to you. So practical, grounded, helpful, heartful. I'm really appreciative. I am too. Thank you much. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.